Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. We started this series called A Heart for the House, and the idea is that we want to tell you about how to get involved. We want to get you uh, what's happening in 2021. And last week, I talked about this, that do you have enough compassion for the harvest. And we use the scripture talking about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But it was more than just that. We've heard that kind of saying, oh, there's, there's so much to do and not enough workers. But the truth is, are, do many of us have a heart big enough, full of compassion, willing to work, willing to get out there, and willing to do what it takes? Because there are ministries that are needing your help to help reach the gospel, reach the hurting, reach those that, that nobody else is reaching. And so we gave some examples last week. In fact, if you did not tune in, go back and watch it, but I'll say this again. His hands extended uh, have outdone themselves. In fact, uh, in December alone, over 274 contacts. Uh, and How many is on your team, Melissa? How many ladies? 15? 15 ladies reached out to 274 people, either long-term sickness, shut-ins, through cards, visit. I mean, that's quite the task. And and sometimes we sit around and think, I just don't have time to do anything. Well, let me tell you, these ladies are busy. Uh, And so they are busy, busy, busy. And we need more men and women to serve in this ministry as well as many other things. And so we talked about the warming station a little bit. We talked about some other things that are going on. But we need your help. We need you to get involved. And so I, I, I realize that there's a lot of things going on emotionally. And so we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 1 and go through partway through this chapter. And next week we're going to finish up with the last part of the chapter. But I've entitled today Faith Over Fear. If we're going to do something extraordinary for the kingdom, we're going to have to realize we're going to have to uh, do something greater. It's going to take us to step out of our comfort zone. No one likes that word, right? We like the comfort zone. We live in the comfort zone. We love that. Because the comfort zone is where everything goes fine, everything's smooth running. We're familiar with the comfort zone. We know, listen, how many of you just drive to work and you don't remember how you got there because you don't remember driving it because it's comfortable? You just do it. You get in your car, you have your coffee, you drive to work, it's like... I don't even remember the drive. This was great. Uh, we don't have big city problems where you get stuck in traffic. Well, unless you're by Wendy's and you're right that little cell right going home. But if you've ever lived in Dallas like Sonner and I had, you'd laugh at the people complaining calling that traffic because that is not traffic. <laughs> that's, a, that's a luxury. Um, but we, we all go through these emotions. We go through these things. And sometimes I think that we forget what God has done in the past so we fail to move forward out of fear for the future. But if I was to take a moment and think about what God has done in the past, God has done so much for this church and for the families in this church. How could we ever not move forward? How do we get stuck in fear of not moving forward, not doing what God's calling us to do and getting involved in our church? And I'm not talking about getting involved by coming on Sunday mornings. And man, I thank you guys for being here Sunday morning. Uh, it's, It's much nicer to preach to you guys than the empty pews, but... But being involved means so much more. It means finding your place to serve, finding your place to, to be discipled. And all of our life groups are back up running this week. So get involved in a life group. Nobody's beyond discipleship. We all need to get discipled, going through growth track, and getting your, finding your place to get plugged in. It's so important. But we get stuck in our track, and we say, I can't do it. I feel unqualified. I don't feel like I can do this. I don't feel ready. I don't feel prepared. And the problem is, is that there are many things that we're not prepared for that God does for us. 
just a, a week ago, I was uh, on Facebook, and we scrolled down, and we saw where Haley Burns, uh, she's on the front, she loves mentioning her name in the pulpit, uh, where she was in a, uh, slid off the road with her twins. But you know what? No, no, no babies hurt. No mama hurt. Just a little uh, tire rim, a little, little runner board. Why? God's protected hand is upon them. You know, I was trying to remember when Cody had his wreck, but I thought about when I saw, heard about Cody's truck, uh, Paul's truck, I, I, I thought, how did I not know about this? I think I, saw, I found out three or four days later, demolished, and just a miracle walking right there of how God's protected him during, during a horrible accident. I, I thought about how many times God's been faithful in my family. From disasters to problems to, 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 to your life in, in danger to sicknesses and how God's been faithful. And we've been faced with a pandemic that says everything about fear and nothing about faith. Sometimes, I, I love it, one time we were in a uh, uh, board meeting, we were setting the budget, and as we were setting the budget, we were going back and forth about what's come in, what hadn't come in, and we were talking about things we wanted to do, and that God had given us a great vision, and one of the board members, I mean, Paul Harp stood up and said, he says, guys, what's the name of our church? <laughs> it's faith. He says, are we going to budget, and, and he says, and, and he wasn't talking about crazy faith at, at that point, he wasn't talking about not being good stewards. It wasn't about that. It was just about, are we going to budget out of faith or are we going to budget out of fear? And so we stepped up and we, and we all agreed, yeah, it's faith. We ought to budget like that. And you know what? God was faithful that year. We didn't have any deficit. We didn't have to fire anybody. No ministries got told no that year that they couldn't do anything. God was faithful as we stepped out. In fact, I will tell you that there was a time where every year when I first got here as youth pastor, it was a great year because you would just submit these outlandish budgets. Uh, if you were on the board, you remember that. You would never get it approved, but you wanted to submit it all out there so that they knew that you had plans, and then they would cut you back, like way back, because, you know, it was outlandish, uh, like we were going to shoot for the moon. Uh, but, they, but, you know, we always had increase every year. And when, the bu- when, we, when we built a budget out of increase every year, you know what? God always made up the difference. Then there was something that happened that caused fear to get into us, and all of a sudden we didn't budget out of faith, and we cut out fear. And do you know what? Every year we, after that, we started struggling with meeting our finances, and we started praying. We started saying, how are we going to meet the budget? How are we going to meet the budget? We're lower this year. Let's lower here. But that one board member that stood up and says, well, how about if we budget out of faith? Changed the trajectory of our ministry, and ever since then, we've seen increasing God do great things. Amen. Absolutely. That's something. Our church has always functioned off of faith. It's always been a place where people could come through the those darkest time of their life and hurting, and, and, and God would do something. In fact, the, the big slogan, Pastor Thrasher preached an amazing sermon. If you don't know our founding pastor, man, he's, he, he is living Rogers, but he comes back and he'll preach for us again, hopefully this year. Um, and he had this saying, he preached a sermon, and out of the sermon came this slogan, and it was, uh, healing hurts and building dreams. And that was kind of the idea of the church. Many people would come to faith that had hurt from religion, hurt from people, hurt from people that were supposed to love and take care of them, and God would heal that hurt and rebuild them up and build their dreams. It was absolutely phenomenal what God was doing. And so I look at this, and we see the story today. It's right after Elijah comes out of this idea that he's just stopped the rain and then finally tells it it can rain again. 
He goes down to the prophets of Baal, and he calls fire down from heaven. And, and then at the end of that, he, everybody starts saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And all of this faith is built up in, in, in the people. And they all start serving God, and he, he, he kills all the prophets of Baal. And then he's, a, I mean, just a, a massive what you'd call revival. People saved, delivered, power of God fall. It was a moment where everybody's talking, and then he leaves, and then we come to this 1 Kings chapter 19. And as you come into the first Kings chapter 19, he says, when Ahab got home, he told his wife, Jezebel, I didn't say the wife, but that's who she is, everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I want you to think about that for a moment. Imagine us coming up here last Sunday. There was no snow on the ground. People packed out. We were praying for people. People walk out of here. Let's say they're healed, delivered, set free of, of, of drug addiction, bonds. We're just praying for people. God is doing things. We're just like, this is nuts. This is so crazy. And then someone threatens to shut us down. And the next week we come in like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? This is what Elijah did. Elijah called fire down from heaven. He gets one threat against his life, and all of a sudden he's afraid. He's, he's living in fear, and, and, and he doesn't know what to do. He's afraid for his life. We're fixing to go find out where he goes, finds a place basically just to be depressed and die. If you're taking notes, write this down. Do we act upon our fears or on our faith? See, so many times, I believe this, God wants us to call back from our past faith adventures. You're talking to someone who's been healed of asthma, who's been healed of back pain. You're talking about God has done tremendous things. You're talking about someone that God has been faithful with his family that I remember as a young uh, uh, minister in, at Mineola, Texas, 4,321 population. I just remember because it was backwards, 4,321. That's the only reason why I remember it, but, but that's the population of Mineola. And I remember we, Sandra was going to school, we were living off my salary, and we just didn't make enough to, to cover it all. They wanted us to go full-time, we stepped out in faith, and I remember just, I remember bringing my bills across the altar, and I remember just praying, saying, God, I don't have it, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how we're going to make it this month. And God would be faithful. People would send money, people would give me those uh, faithful $20 Pentecostal handshakes, some more. <laughs> Y'all don't know what that is? <laughs> we'll show you. <laughs> They were blessing. Someone just comes up and says, I just feel prayer for you, brother. You're walking there like, <laughs> it was exciting. And God would make up the difference time and time again. And where we didn't know what we were going to do. I mean, it wasn't like we were living in luxury. We were in a little bitty old house that, that didn't have much, but we were, it was our home. We were excited to be there. But God was faithful. When I look at the faithfulness of God, I think about all my life I, he's been faithful. Even, we sing that song, even when I can't see him, he's moving. Even when I can't, can't feel it, he's moving. Even when I can't do it, he's moving. All my life, God's been faithful. I have a little bit of scar on my chest. If, if, if I was to pull it down just below my collarbone, you'd see a little scar right there. When I was a baby, they had a, a lump come up, and they, it was a tumor. They thought it was cancerous. In fact, they, they had already checked several things, and they were going in to remove it. Uh, but the night before was a Sunday. They, they were going in on Monday, and the night was Sunday. I was just a little, little toddler. 
They came to the church, gathered around me, praying. We were White House First Assembly of God, old red church. Uh, they, they would come around me, and, and I remember uh, nothing because I was a child. I remember my mom telling me the story for the first time, and when she told me, she was crying because it was so much. But I remember uh, her, her stories, and she said they all gathered around me, prayed, and the next day when they went in to cut, they cut open, and nothing but pus came out. Everything was gone. God's faithful. We have people in here that's been healed of cancer. We've had, we have people in here that's been still in the middle of a fight with cancer, but by all means, you shouldn't be here today because the doctors counted you out a long time ago. We have people in here with heart problems, heart disease. God has done great things. We have many people in here that you're, you're a product of, of drugs and addiction and alcoholism and, and many other things, and you're here, and if you really do get, you begin to tell your story, we would find out how God's been faithful to deliver you. Uh, in fact, I already talked to uh, uh, Carlene. We're going to have her give her testimony before too long. I, I'll tell you, between her and uh, Christina, we got several in here that could just tell a testimony that makes change heels just go down your back as what God has done in their life to deliver their family. And we're a family of people of God that still believe that he's healing hurts, building dreams. The mission of this church is simply this, to, to, <laughs> to love people and inspire them to live like Jesus every day. How do we do that? By loving on them right where they are. Not, not where they're going to be one day, but we just love them where they are and let God change them. We show them. We walk about throughout the way we walk. Do we hold the Bible as our standard? Absolutely. The Bible is our God for living. We will never compromise on the scripture. Never. That's why it's one of our main core values. But it doesn't mean we stop loving people just because we have to be accountable. The problem is it's hard to focus on facts instead of our feelings. Because we like being moved by our feelings. In fact, why do most of us love worship so much? You feel that inside begin moving, you're like, woo, yeah. <laughs> and we can do one more song, let's do this. And we get excited. Then Pastor Caleb gets up there and preach, and you got the music behind him. <laughs> Every once in a while, I want a little organ. Uh, you know, you get that little thing behind you, and you go, well, hello. You, know, you get up there, you get this going, you get the feeling, and everybody's feeling the moment. But then we leave here, and you don't feel the emotions behind it anymore. Then we go feel the things of the world, and all of a sudden the world takes us, and the feelings that we shouldn't be feeling, we allow the fear that is in front of us to overtake the faith that should be inside of us. Verse 3 goes on in the second part. He says, after he was afraid, he says, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judea, and he left his servants there. Uh, Jezebel threatens Elijah, and he basically flees to Beersheba when uh, Horeb. And Beersheba was over 100 miles away, or about two weeks' journey from the southernmost part of the kingdom. Verse 4 says, then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling uh, all day, and then he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Some fear will cost you something. This year has cost us as a church something. This, fear, this year has cost your family something. People walk around and are afraid to step up and step out and be involved and do anything for the kingdom because fear has overtaken them. 
And so we get into these motions. Hey, listen, uh, Sonder and I were talking uh, even yesterday. My, my, my ego has had to, had to take a few blows this year. My, my confidence has been challenged this year. One minute you're on the mountaintop and you're seeing God heal people. You're seeing more people saved than you've ever seen saved before. You're seeing people come and get baptized more than it's ever been baptized before. And, and you're seeing all this stuff happen. You're seeing record numbers come attend church. And the next week you, you're, you're, you, you don't have anybody. And you're preaching to a camera and the worship team. Then you're calling people. Then you open back up and you think, people can't wait to get back in. We all got the memes. In fact, we talked about open up. We saw all the great memes. The first day the church opens back up and it shows all these goofy memes of people running down and dancing around the church. That did not happen. <laughs> we opened the doors and everybody uh, put on their mask and we sanitized and we did everything again. And they came very cautiously back wondering what we were going to do, what we were going to do. And then we got the arguments of it's too much, it's too far, it's not enough. You haven't done enough. You've done too much. You're asking people to, to, to surrender their rights. You're asking people not to do enough and, and not take care of us. And so we go through this battle back and forth and you get text and email, Facebook. And then one day you just kind of sit down and you do this thing. Man, am I the right person for this job? You see, it's easy to sit in seats and tell what everybody else ought to do. But the truth is, it was tough. And here is, as a pastor, as a man of God, I'm trying to uh, lead two groups of people and make it really nobody extremely happy. And when I say that, some of you are the same way. You go to your job, you're frustrated, nobody's excited to be there. Some of you are excited about working it from home, and other of you think, I've got to get away from my family's killing me, I want to get back to work. And then you get back to work, and you remember why you like going home so much, because you didn't like your coworkers. Nothing really makes us happy. And so then the idea when we hear all this stuff that we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom because we're people of God and we're children of God and we're supposed to get fired up and go, we're supposed to start reaching the lost again. And you're like, I don't have it in me. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I've, I've done everything. In fact, Lord, do you remember everything I did in the past? I've prayed. I've seen miracles. And in fact, just a, just a month ago, I was, I was calling fire down from heaven. And so can I just have a break for a moment? Can I just have a pity party? In fact, the next verse goes on to say that he just laid down there and took a nap and didn't want to get up. He was depressed. He was beat up. He was emotionally drained. It had cost him everything. It had cost him emotionally. It had cost him the fear that just from one, and you don't understand this, but I'm telling you, it is as crazy as it sounds. You can have the most awesome, blown out, crazy service, God, just people getting saved, delivered, and it takes one negative comment to knock the air out of your cells and pop your balloon, and you just feel like, wow, I'm a failure. I don't feel like I can do anything. I'm just, I'm no good. Why am I even here, God? Why me? See, that's just the way we are feeling. Because we just lived in a pandemic, which was really a, just a code word in my mind, of a fearful year. A year where if you've owned a business, nobody's happy. In fact, if I was asked all the business owners to stand up and ask how your year was, uh, yeah, you made a lot of sales sometimes, oh, you did, some of you didn't, but for the most part, you found out that customers who used to be very loyal and very loving, uh, all of a sudden, they don't like you. And they have opinions about everything you're doing, even though they know nothing about what you do. 
So what do you do when everything seems to go bad? What do you do when you seem to feel this way? What do you do when fear costs you everything? No one was exempt from temptation. No one is exempt when it comes to feeling vulnerable. Every one of us feels this. He says he laid down under a brutal tree. He was depressed and he couldn't get up. And so finally an angel comes by him and says this. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And in his distress, the Lord meets his need. And he looks around. There beside his head was a baked uh, some bread baked and some uh, hot stones of jar of water. And he ate and drank again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. For your journey ahead will be too much for you. Isn't it amazing? He never asked where it comes from. He just eats. So he got up and he drank. And, he gave, uh, and the food gave him enough strength for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, to the mountain of God. Just think about that. After he gets touched and fed, he runs for another month before he finally settles down at the mountain. And in verse 9, he goes on, he says, And there he came to a cave and where he spent all the night. And the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you hiding? Can I... Can I just be really honest with you? Whatever, this is an un, uh, when we're talking about vision month and we're talking about the things that are coming up, it may seem like a very odd scripture to be using, but I feel like just coming out of where we are, this is where we are. I feel like God is asking the church, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in your safe little building with your safe little music, with your safe little sermons, and just getting encouraged week after week and just going out and not doing anything with the gospel? That you've been commissioned with. Why aren't you getting discipled? Do you think we're too? Now, listen, I'm not pointing at anybody. We have a lot of people involved in discipleship. If you're not involved in discipleship, I don't know that. I don't know. Well, if I looked at the list, I would know. But I'm not. I don't have anybody in mind. But I think he would ask, why aren't you involved in discipleship and getting prepared for the journey and getting equipped for what God has for you? Listen, some of you, God has, has, has blessed you with skills and gifts, and you've been through so much. And maybe they didn't start in the pandemic. Maybe it started way before the pandemic. And you've been blessed with so much, and, God, and you just feel like you've been under attack, under attack, under attack. And God's saying, why are you just sitting around doing nothing? Why are you just sitting here? Why aren't you doing what I've called and asked you to do? Why are you hiding? And so for us as the church, I'm asking, what are we doing just sitting here? Do we not understand the reality of what's at stake. In this room, there are marriages that are on the brink of divorce that got brought together. Do we think that that stopped? No, it's been heightened. We know that God wants to put marriages back together. We know that God wants to heal people of addiction. We know that there's a lost and dying world out there ready to hear the gospel, but he's needing workers to go out and work. We need workers inside the church to work in kids' ministry youth ministry, in the young adult ministry, in the marriage couples group, in adult life groups. We need people to serve on the host team. We need people to serve in, in, the, in the safety team. We need people to serve wherever you've been called and gifted. Of What are you just sitting around waiting for? And we'll make excuses. I love it. Some of you are talented musicians, and we don't even know you. We, you, you, you play anything because you've come here for a year and never played anything. And, and here we are. We're, we're trying to rotate band members. You're like, they got enough band members. You don't know what we have. Talk to Caleb. We're in need. 
We need people in the live stream room. We need people that feel a heart to go evangelize. We need people to work and celebrate recovery. We need people to work in everything. In fact, when we talk about great vision and great, and, and great ministries that we want to start, the one thing we can't do without is you. So Elijah's response to what are you doing here is our response. Elijah replied, I've been zealous for you. Serve the Lord Almighty. I've been doing this for years. It's somebody else's turn. I've been, I've been serving. I've done all this stuff. It's somebody else's turn. He says, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left. And now you're trying to kill me too. I've tried it all. Listen, here I am. Don't you see what I've done? Listen, I, I've worked as a youth leader. I've gone to camps. I've been in this kids' ministry. I've worked in, in girls' ministry and rangers. I've, I've done all this stuff. I, I, do you not see all the stuff that I've done, I, all the stuff I've worked for you, and nobody else wants to help? Everybody else isn't coming back. Nobody else is helping teach the little girls and the little boys. Nobody else is helping in the youth ministry. Nobody. Why do I have to do it? I'm the only one left, and why should I even try? It's killing me. I'm losing my family trying to do it all by myself. And so we just want to give up. I hope this resonates because for some of us, we got to understand God is calling us more now in 2021 than ever before. And no one in this place is exempt from the calling of God. Nobody. Well, this is my first Sunday. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been called. He says, kill me. Basically, Elijah's interpretation of the uncertainty around him caused him to be afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when people are going to come back. We just had this conversation this past week. When are teachers going to start coming back to help with, with kids' classes? When are, when are all this stuff, stuff going to happen? We don't know. What happens? We, what do you do when we just don't know? And so the uncertainty causes fear. And here was a man who had called down fire from heaven just not too long ago, and now he's walking in fear. And as he looked, and as God looked down upon him, he asked the question, why are you doing this? Elijah, you were in control. You, you call fire down from heaven. You're the one in control. You have the ability. You could launch a crusade from what you just did, what, what God did through you. This is your opportunity. You have them right where you want them. You have them in the palm of your hand. But from Elijah's point of view, he looked at the same circumstances, and he said this, as I see it, I've done all I can do. I've given it all. I've done it all. As I can see it, there's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. Why even try? As I see it, I'm alone. And again, uh, how long is it going to last this time? Nobody's there with me. As I see it, nothing's going to change because nothing ever does. Verse 11 says this, go and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and an almighty windstorm hit the mountain. God's trying to jar Elijah's memory here. And, and Elijah, uh, give him a little bit of a reminder. He goes on and says, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks tore loose. I want you to imagine coming out to the edge of the, the mountain, looking at the cave. God says, I want to pass by it. Rocks are falling down. The mountain's trembling. It'd get my attention. But the Bible says that God wasn't in the whirlwind. And he wasn't in the earthquake. 
Verse 12, it says, And after the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. We're always looking for something big to happen before we'll lose our fear, right? We want that burning bush experience. We want those plagues of Egypt to hit. You know what the problem is? Is that it took one day to take the children of Egypt out of Egypt, or, or the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. So let me ask you this. How long is it going to take to get 2020 out of you? All the emotion, all the problems, all the things that hold us back. What's it going to take to get it out of you? And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. Verse 13. And Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Sometimes you've got to get into a place where you stop running your own mouth and you can listen. <laughs> you got to stop dropping long enough so that you get into posture where you can hear what God's saying to you. So he says, what are you doing here? In light of everything that's going on, what are you doing here? Verse 14, and he replied again, I've been zealous and served the Lord, your God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. And it's like he already rehearsed what he was going to tell God. He had his excuse made up, and he had it rehearsed, and here's why I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. He misses it. In verses 15 through 18, God uh, informs Elijah of his plan for a replacement because he just couldn't catch on. And Elijah's not alone in this. In fact, he tells him, you think you've been alone, but there's been actually over 7,000 faithful people in Israel that have not bowed a knee to Baal. Here's what you've got to understand about faith. Faith will either set you up or you'll let fear set you back. Faith will set you up, but fear will set you back. Faith will set you up for everything that God wants you to do, to work in the, and, and do the ministry and do the miracles that God wants you to do, but fear will set you back every time. Fear is faith in the negative. Fear is the opposite of faith. When I allow fear to overtake me, all of a sudden, faith can't rise up in me. When you look at this, Elijah had two problems. First of all, he forgot the faithfulness of God in the past. I mean, if you were really honest, you don't have to raise your hand, would be really honest that God has been faithful to you in the past. Time and time again, I'm telling you, he's been faithful. He's been faithful even when I haven't been. So the first thing he did, he forgot about God's faithfulness. And so many times we forget because of everything we're going through and we're in the middle of a problem, middle of a situation, that if we will be faithful to him, he's already been faithful to us. And the second thing is he had a difficult time factoring in the future faithfulness. You see, here's the problem with Elijah. Because he couldn't see what God was doing, he assumed God was doing nothing. And right now you're in a place, and many of us are in a place in here today, where it may feel like God is doing nothing because you can't see his hand at work. When all along he's been moving behind the scenes. In fact, that's what he tells Elijah, that's what we're going to see next week, is that there's a plan all along that's been working in the background. That God has been working. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God's not working. And God is ready to deliver people, but we have to be willing to trust him and trust him that he's already working the problem out whether you see it or not. When we lose sight of God's past faithfulness, we don't factor God into the future either. I can't see God in the future if I can't remember what he did in the past. 
As we remember him in our past, we see him in our future. I'm going to close with this. Do you know why the circumstances put us under the table and emotionally and physically? Why, why do circumstances put us under that, that, that emotional table, that spiritually and physically? It's because the, the anticipation of the future with no thought, thought of God's faithfulness and his past activities behind us it's because we can't feel it. We can't see what's about to happen because we don't remember what happened in the past. It literally puts us under the table and causes us to be depressed. When we're looking ahead, we make the mistake of looking through fearful eyes instead of looking through faith eyes. There are some things that you've forgotten. In fact, what most of us need to do in this place is we need to remember what God has done in our past. If you've been healed, you need to clean and remember what it's like to be healed. You've been saved, and you've been saved from a crazy wild life where you, where you didn't deserve to live through it, but God brought you through it, so you have a testimony. We need to remember that. If God's picked you up with, I mean, how many times have we had those moments where you were feeling down, you were feeling all in despair, and that text, that phone call comes through and lifts you up right there at that moment, and all of a sudden you're encouraged, you're like, thank you, God, I needed that right when I needed it. You were right where, there when I needed it. What's it going to take? This year, as we're moving forward, we talk about life being better together. But life being better together starts when we rise beyond our fear. And we say, faith is greater. God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. God, I'll do whatever you ask me to. Whatever you say, whatever you ask, here am I, Lord. Use me. God, just use me. I don't want to be someone who is humbled down and, and, and can't function because of fear. God, I am wanting to do whatever you want me to do. God, I surrender to you. That's what I'm wanting. I'm going to ask everyone to stand in here today. I'm telling you, that same God that was here in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 was still here in 2020 and is still here in 2021. The God that put your marriage back together is still the God that's here ruling today. The God that has done so much in your past that you can't even begin to tell it all is still here today. Are you willing to trust him with what God's got coming to you by remembering with what God's done for you? I'm telling you, God's got something in store for you. I'm going to pray over you, and here's what I want you to do. I just want to say, God, search me. God, what do you want me to do? What I'm hoping is going to rise out of this week, what do you, you know what I want to hope for? I'm hoping to say, you know what, it's time. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do what God's called me to do. I'm ready. To, if you need teachers, I'll teach. If you need people out there screaming on the highway, I'll scream on the highway. If you need people greeting at the doors, I'll greet at the doors. Whatever it takes. If you need altar workers, I will pray. I can do that. I'm that person. Whatever you need, here am I. But I'm asking you to do this. If you're in this place and you're not serving, I'm asking you to search your heart and say, God, where do you want to use me? Where do you want to use me? You don't understand that if God can use anything, he can use you. If he can use a donkey to talk, he can use us. But I'm praying that we become a church 
that is ready to seek God with all our heart and move forward. This is it. This is our time. This is our moment. What are you going to do for the kingdom of God? Father, I just thank you right now for everybody in this place. I pray that you would rise up, Lord, overshadow them, God, with your anointing. God, Lord, I believe you're calling people. God, you're coming, Lord, you work it all along. Even when I can't see it, even though I can't feel it, even though I don't know what's going on, Lord, you are a God that's been moving. God, I pray that through today, people are going to rise up all over this place and let their faith be greater than their fear. They're going to step up. God, the, the, Lord, the things that we're getting ready to launch in 2021 mean nothing if the workers don't step up. God, I pray that we as a people of God will challenge ourselves and hear from you. Lord, call those and Lord, bring them in. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bring them right to the very throne room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.